So from a Buddhist perspective, benefiting ourselves and benefiting others, uh, these two are not necessarily contradictory. In other words, we can do both at the same time. In the case of developing fortitude, that becomes quite obvious because as we calm our own anger, we save ourselves from the immediate suffering of anger and the long-term suffering of unfortunate rebirths and uh, impediments on the path. And when we calm our anger, we very clearly benefit other sentient beings because we don't hurt their feelings and we are able to communicate in a way that is healthy and, uh, and brings out the best in others. So there is absolutely no downside to ourselves or to others from practicing fortitude, only benefit. So seeing that, we should definitely try and increase our fortitude. Because who doesn't want to benefit ourselves and others at the same time? And by practicing fortitude, we eliminate a big obstacle to generating great compassion. And by generating great compassion, it becomes much easier to generate bodhicitta. So let's develop the bodhicitta, the aspiration to become fully awakened in order to benefit others. So there's different kinds of fortitude. Um, There's the fortitude to endure suffering, like physical suffering. There's the fortitude to endure insults and criticism. And the fortitude to practice the Dharma. Because we need internal strength to do all three of those. So right now, we're kind of uh, talking about fortitude in in general, but uh, so some of these verses are applying to both 
the experience of suffering and the experience of uh, insult and criticism and so on. Okay, so 73 we covered, but we'll review. And he says, if I am unable to endure even the mere sufferings of the present, then why do I not restrain myself from being angry, which will be the source of hellish misery? Okay, so if we don't restrain our own anger, we're creating the cause for more suffering. And if we're getting angry because of our present suffering and can't endure it, then we're just going to be magnifying that, that suffering in the future by creating its cause again and again. Okay, and we know that just in a, a very rudimentary way. You may dart out, maybe there's one point of, of conflict. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you, this is the uh, marital scene, okay? So you sit down to breakfast with your spouse, and uh, you have toast, and uh, you like to have peanut butter with your toast. And this morning, there, there's the peanut butter jar is empty. So you start out very calmly, honey, where's the peanut butter? Yeah, And your spouse says, oh, we're out. And you say, oh, but it, so you're, uh, you did the shopping this week. Didn't you get it? No, I forgot. You forgot? You know I like peanut butter for breakfast. Look, I was in a hurry. I had to get some, do this quickly. And, you know, I just, I forgot. Calm down. You know, this is always happening. I ask you to do things and you forget. All the time you forget. Why are you on my case? You're constantly on my case. I am not on your case. I'm just pointing out how you need to improve so you can benefit other sentient beings more. (laughs) Just calm down, you know? I can manage my own mind. Look, you are being passive-aggressive again. You know that I like peanut butter, and you deliberately didn't get it. I'll stop your projecting on me. You know, why are you just putting all of that on me? Look at you. You do the exact same thing. Look, I'm fed up. We've been married 10 years. Every day you do this passive-aggressive stuff to get on me, you know. I'm sick and tired of this. I am too. I want a divorce. You got one. Okay? And it started out over the peanut butter. Okay? So if we can't stand the suffering of missing peanut butter with our toast one morning, you're just in this life, you're compounding it and you're getting, you know, By the end of the, I wouldn't even call it a conversation, but by the end of whatever it is, you're getting a divorce. Yeah? Any of you had arguments like that with people? 
Yeah. So, I mean, just to try and, and practice some fortitude with small sufferings in this life has some benefits. And if we don't do that, even in this life, let alone how it creates problems for future lives, uh, then we'll just have more problems if we don't do anything. Okay, so 74. For the sake of satisfying my desires, I have suffered numerous burnings in hell. But by those actions, I neither fulfilled the purpose of myself nor of others. Okay, so when we have a desire, when we want something, yeah, we don't fall asleep unless what you're desiring is sleep. But otherwise, we are on it right away. And I want what I want when I want it. Okay, And we will do almost anything to get what we want. And it doesn't matter too much the effect that it has on other people. Because I want this. And that is the most important thing. Okay, And so because of that attitude, we've created so much negative karma harming others to fulfill our desires. And that has brought about many hellish rebirths. And maybe we got what we wanted and maybe we didn't. Yeah, But those actions in neither way uh, fulfilled the purpose of myself or others. When I've reacted to, to, when I've followed my desire and then gotten mad when uh, it hasn't been fulfilled. Then I haven't gotten what I've wanted, and I've gotten a bunch of negative karma instead, and I haven't benefited myself or anybody else in the process. In fact, I've harmed both myself and others. So I find this thing of, you know, helping and harming both self and others at the same time it can't, if we really look at it, it's it, yeah, it's not a choice if I help myself but harm others, or I harm myself and sacrifice to help others. But those two things happen at the same time, yeah. Because if I get upset or if I act out of uh, you know craving or something like this, it harms others. Yeah, because I'm going to take stuff that isn't mine. I'm going to manipulate them to get what I want. And it harms me because I'm planting the seeds of negative karma for future pain on my own mind stream. Okay. When, so that action doesn't benefit others, doesn't benefit me. If I do something kind for others, it benefits them. They're happy. And I accumulate virtuous karma, which benefits me. Okay, So it's so weird that often in our mind, we have this idea of it's either or. Yeah. I either benefit myself, and then I'm selfish towards others. Or I benefit others, and then I sacrifice my own happiness. And that model of it, 
the either or, is looking at it from a worldly self-centered viewpoint. When we look at the situation from a Dharma viewpoint, helping others and helping ourselves comes come together. Harming ourselves and harming others come together. But from a worldly viewpoint, it's the opposite. I'm mad. I tell you off. You suffer. I feel. What do I feel? My revenge is satisfied. But when we look closely, is being satisfied because we enacted revenge actually happiness? Yeah. Does that really make us happy? What kind of persons are we that we rejoice at enacting revenge? Yeah. And what do we do to ourselves in the process of it? Okay. So these, what we're getting at here is there's so many assumptions that we have from a worldly viewpoint that we have never really examined. Like this one of, if I get even, then I'm happy. Have we ever stopped to examine if that actually is true? Or have we just assumed it is? Because that's what we see in the world. People enacting revenge against each other. But if we look, those people aren't happy afterwards, and they usually have started a bigger fight. Okay, So there's all these assumptions that we have you know, just from uh, our own afflictions as well as the worldly environment we live in, that we have to recognize their assumptions, not truths, and take them out and examine them and see if they're really true or not. Okay? And recognizing them can be really difficult because we've had them for so long. And everybody else says, oh, that's good. Yeah, you should really do that. Okay, verse 75. Yet now, since great meaning will accrue from from harm, which is not even a fraction of that, I should indeed be solely joyful towards such suffering that dispels the harm of all. Okay, so what he's saying now is when I have big suffering, yeah, if I'm able to take on, like doing the Tonglen practice, imagine taking on the suffering of others, or even, you know, for foregoing a little bit of my own happiness to benefit others. So great meaning will accrue from that. And yet, It is, uh, if I feel like, oh, I'm getting harmed in the process, that harm is only a fraction of the great harm we would experience if we uh, didn't restrain ourselves and acted out of anger. Is that making some sense? Okay. Then let's kind of have to get all those points together. (laughs) Yeah. So... um, So the conclusion is, then we should be joyful. So, okay, uh, uh, your little toe hurts. And you don't want to come to puja because your little toe hurts. 
And it really hurts so bad. I mean, this is totally all your attention is on your little toe because you you did something to it. And it just hurts so bad. So you don't want to come to puja. Yeah. So you're mad at your little toe. Then you're mad at the whole community because you feel they're going to be wondering where you are and why you're not there, and they're going to put a trip on you for, and you feel guilty for not being there, and you know. But my little toe hurts, but they don't care about my little toe. Those people, they just want me to be a puja. You know, I got to follow this schedule. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm going to stay in my room. You know, fooey on them. Yeah? So we stay in our room. Our little toe still hurts in the room, doesn't it? Yeah, the pain of our little toe has not gone away by staying and sulking in our room and getting mad at everybody else because we've projected on them that they're unsatisfied uh, and unhappy because we're not at puja. Okay, do you see all the projecting going on here? Yeah. So, (laughs) yeah, so I'm making myself unhappy. I'm making them unhappy. Actually, nobody's going to notice that much. I mean, if you're absent a long time every day for your little toe, it's getting to be a little bit much, you know? Uh, But, okay. But, our own mind suffers from all of our projections of what we think other people are going to think of us. Yeah. And our little toe still hurts. Staying in our room does not alleviate the pain of our little toe. Yeah. But that was our reason for not going to puja, because the toe hurt too much. Okay. My experience has been that when I don't feel well, if I go to pujas, or if I'm teaching, at the end, I feel much better. Yeah? Why? Because I'm not thinking about my little toe. Yeah, I'm thinking about the Dharma. When you think about the Dharma, that makes your mind happy. And you forget about your little toe hurting. Okay. So... Why not? You know, it may take great effort before puja starts to overcome that wish to stay in our room and sulk because our little toe hurts. It's a great sacrifice. But I will go to puja, not to avoid their criticism, but because it's nice when the whole group does puja together, doesn't it? Isn't it? When you're, when there's five, three people alone in the meditation hall, yeah, and everybody's in their room sulking over their little toe, you know, or various varieties. Maybe one has a little toe, the other one, it's their big toe, the other one, you know, they have a stomach ache, uh, which coincidentally started about 10 minutes before Pooja started. Um, 
Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, so if we, if we just sometimes give ourselves a little nudge to do something, that does, I mean, other people are pleased when there's a room full of people joining them in, in doing puja. It's much nicer than doing it alone. Yeah. And so to, to think, okay, I'll, I'll go. And it makes others happy. And then you realize at the end that you actually feel better. Yeah. You people think that I always feel good when I come to teach? Yeah, you do. You think that. But sometimes, you know, my stomach isn't so good or my back hurts or this hurts or my little toe, you know. It, it really gets to me sometimes. And, uh, but I don't have a choice. Yeah. There's, there's some, sometimes it's very good when you don't have a choice. When you have a choice, then our self-centeredness steps up. Yeah. When you don't have a choice, then you've got to go do it. And then when you do it, your mind changes and you feel better afterwards. Okay? And then that benefits others and it benefits us. Sulking in our room doesn't benefit others and it doesn't benefit us either. But, oh, we take the chance to sulk in our room whenever we can, don't we? Yeah. Let's go sulk. <laughs> my schedule tonight is sulking. <laughs> Sorry, Pooja's not on my schedule. Sulking is. Okay. And 76, should someone else find joyous happiness in praising my enemy as an excellent person? Why mine? Do you not praise them too? And likewise, make yourself happy. So here we're moving into some verses about jealousy. Okay. So here's someone who praises somebody else that we don't like too much, okay? Maybe that person's criticized us. Maybe we compare ourselves to them and we lose out. Maybe they're even a little bit arrogant over us, which really drives us crazy. And But somebody else, somebody else falls for that person's big act and thinks that that person's wonderful. I know they're a total fake and they're manipulating, but these other people fall for it and praise them. Ooh, ooh, how can that happen? You know, but this person who's praising the, my enemy is happy because they're seeing some good quality in that person. Meanwhile, I am furious because that guy is a fake. I'm sure of it. Yeah, me, I am not a fake. I am completely genuine. <laughs> and they're the fake. Okay. 
Okay. So should someone else, this person, find joy in praising my enemy as an excellent person? Why mind, my mind, do you not praise them too? Well, I can tell you why. Because they're, <laughs> because they're a fake. They're a jerk. Yeah, they're this and that. Is that the real reason? What's the real reason why I can't, why I, I can't praise them too? I'm jealous. I'm jealous. Yeah. I want that praise too. And I have my whole court case, yeah, proving how I should get that praise and not them. And no one else agrees with my court case. Yeah, and they praise that person. And so Shanti Deva says, well, look, all these people are praising them. They're happy seeing his good qualities. Why don't you make yourself happy by praising them too? <laughs> you know, it's like, it would be easier if somebody said, why don't you have all your teeth pulled without anesthesia? <laughs> you know, I cannot do that. Yeah, Jealousy is incredible, isn't it? You know? When we are jealous, ooh, it is painful and our mind will not budge. When I lived in France, there was one older woman who, uh, who, who came and she ordained. Yeah. And then she found out that her ex-husband was living with another woman and that this may have been going on before some relationship before when she was still married to him. She got so mad and there was some jealousy in there. And it was like, wait a minute, you're a nun already. <laughs> you know, you want to go back to that jerk after what he's done? And so I told her, I said, Look, you have the better situation. You know, she's living with him. She has to pick up his dirty clothes now. You don't have to do that anymore. You're a nun. You know? So, you know, sometimes when we're jealous over something, we don't realize that, the, that if we got what we were jealous over, we wouldn't be happy. Yeah. I said, you want to go back and, and, you know, for many years you picked up his dirty clothes. You want to go back and do that? Let her pick them up. You don't need to be jealous. Okay. It was nice. She, she actually tried that and left the jealousy behind. Or she tried something. Yeah. Okay. So, likewise, why don't you make yourself happy by, by praising them? That joyous happiness of yours, yeah, by praising your enemy, would be a source of joy, not something prohibited, a precept given by the excellent ones, and a supreme means for assembling others. Oh, Shanti Deva, come on, do you have to rub it in like this? I 
don't want to praise them. But here Shantideva is telling us the benefits of, you know, giving up our, our jealousy. So maybe what that will do is move our mind from, I cannot endure to praise them with the other people, but okay, at least I will let go of my some of my projections on them. I will give them some credit, yes. You know, they do have some good qualities. One part of your mind is going, they have no good qualities at all. But, you know, you have to you try and listen to Shantideva. Well, yes, they do have some good qualities, and I need to recognize that. So, okay, I'll give up a little bit of my anger and my jealousy and my projections. And so nudge your mind a little bit to give up the jealousy. Yeah. And then after a while, nudge your mind some more and and keep going in that direction. What I've found often is uh, I find jealousy one of the most painful afflictions to experience. Anybody else? That I, I mean, there's something. I mean, anger is not happy. Unfulfilled desire, not happy. But jealousy is just deep. Jealousy is just. It is so excruciating. And uh, so you, I get to the point where I have to give it up for my own sake because I can't endure the pain. Okay. So what I, one of the things I got jealous of, I have to admit this, but this happens in many Dharma circles, so it's nothing new. Yeah. And it's not only me. Other people have this too. Is uh, jealousy over who, who gets to be with the teacher. So one of my teachers would, uh, he used to do puja like a, four, four thirty in the morning, you know, morning meditation. And he had a very small room and he would ask some students, you know, just a few, a handful, because the room was very small, to uh, uh to come in and and meditate with him in the morning. That's good. But I was not one of those people he asked to come. And one of the reasons why I wasn't asked to come was because I was uh, leading a meditation course at the center at that time. Yeah. So at the time, they all, they all got to go into room Che's room to meditate in the morning. It was so peaceful there. I got to go a couple of times. So peaceful, so quiet. You're meditating with your teacher. You're really inspired. And I have to go in the middle of that and teach all these, you know, young Westerners who are just kind of going around taking meditation courses yeah, and doing their own trip, and I have to go, like, lead a meditation or teach them. 
I want to be in the room with my teacher. But he doesn't ask me to go. And then, even when I'm not leading a meditation course or teaching, you know, there was one other nun, and she got to serve him, you know, cook for him and serve him tea and go in there and be so holy and offer the the tea and the meals to my teacher. I wanted to do that. And... I was never asked to bring him tea. And even once in a while, when he did ask me, I would go in the kitchen and I, get out of here, everybody, I'm making the tea. (laughs) You know? And it was just like so painful. Especially, you know, you watch everybody else go into his room and you're, This isn't fair. And it was so excruciating that I remember one time sitting uh, when this happened in the afternoon, not just morning meditation, but for something in the afternoon, and other people are in his room, and I was sitting on the lawn outside, just burning inside with the unfairness of it all. And and then I just said, you know, I can't stand this pain. It's just too painful. I have to put this down. Forget about them. I have to put this down for my own welfare because it's just too painful. Yeah? So, um, yeah. Like I said, this kind of thing happens in many Buddhist groups. Yeah, it isn't something new. But nobody likes to talk about it as a problem. Or actually, they talk about it as other people's problems because those people are protective of the guru and won't let anybody else in the door. Or those people are the favorite ones that the teacher is is, uh, partial towards. And me, like everything else in my life, I'm left out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Considering the depth of the jealousy, how long did it, you know, was it, it sounds like it might have been a process. It wasn't just like let it go in the, on the lawn and you're, you're done with it. Did you use the rejoicing? Did you use looking at the qualities of the students? Did you look at your teacher's wisdom that he knew something you didn't know? Or how did, I mean, it wasn't, did it just go away that morning because you said, I'm done? <laughs> well, first of all, it, I, the jealousy was building a really long time, but it had to get to a certain pitch. Yeah. The, the mild jealousy didn't move my mind to do anything about it. I just kept getting more and more and more and more jealous until I couldn't stand it anymore, you know. And then 
Oh, what did I do? I think I just said, so be it. Yeah, it's a free world. My teacher can ask whoever he wants to, to come and do morning meditation with him. I am not the one who should designate all of that. Yeah? So that started on letting go of the jealousy. And it took me years, literally years, to realize that I was actually the privileged one in that situation. Because my teacher trusted me to teach the new people. And that's a big trust. And then I felt like, why was I so jealous? Actually, this was, I had an amazing situation to create virtue. And I totally missed it by feeling jealous and getting angry and burning up my virtue. But it took me years to realize that. I find that the other thing that happens with jealousy is if I'm jealous of someone, it's not just a particular incident. It flavors my entire relationship to them. Oh, of course. And then, of course, then I start (laughs) going behind their back and seeing if everybody else has got the same issue as I do, which is... You know, they're smarter, they're kinder, they've got special, whatever. Yeah. But it just colors everything. 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 Including the relationships of the people that I'm not even jealous with, because then I start to poison people's minds around that particular person's gifts or talents or strengths or whatever. Yeah. And we start accusing that person of being arrogant and then talking to other people about how arrogant they are instead of how jealous we are. Okay, so what he's saying is if we could rejoice at the goodness of others, you know, or opportunities of others, that's something that would make us happy. And it's also something that is recommended by the the holy beings. Jealousy is not what they're recommending us to feel. What was interesting in that particular situation was the nun who got to uh, serve Rinpoche and make tea and everything that I was jealous of for that reason. A few years later, when I was living back in America, all this happened in India, um, she came and and she, she was visiting somebody in India, and she stopped to visit me. And we started talking about the whole situation about people being jealous of other people around our teacher and and the whole way that it yeah just how it was and what it came out was she was also unhappy about that too yeah and she uh i don't i can't remember she may have felt you know, that some people didn't like her because they were jealous. Yeah. And, and that disturbed her mind. But then she also got jealous of other people. And it was so interesting for me about, oh, really? I thought you were in bliss being able 
to make the tea and serve our teacher. And she said, no, <laughs> you know, it's like you have to cook in a certain way and it's got to be done at a certain time and da-da-da-da-da. Yeah. And other people like me were always coming and saying, I'm going to make the tea, um, <laughs> when she had already made it. So it, it, it's very interesting what I discovered is that many situations where we project that somebody else has a good opportunity and they're happy, in actual fact, they're not happy in that situation. Yeah. And that comes as a big shock. So many times I've, I've found that projections that I've had on people uh, assuming that they were happy about something, when I actually talked with them, they were not happy in that situation. It was such a shock to me. Okay. Remember in high school when you were jealous of all the popular people? Yeah. Everybody in, I mean, in high school, this is what high school is about. Everybody looks better than you. Everybody goes out with the popular people. We're not the popular people. You know, maybe we're the nerdy people or we're the whatever, but we don't fit in with everybody else. And and they're all popular and everybody loves them and they get elected to student council and the cheerleaders and the football players all go out and they're, you know, they're the popular people and I'm not, you know, it's all because of my hair and, <laughs> you know, my hair and my complexion and how I look and, you know, my clothes and I just, you know, everything is, oh, you remember high school? Okay, so um, when I went to college, uh, one friend that, that I met there down the hall, she was one of these people who was beautiful, really beautiful. And I thought, oh, my goodness, you know, she just, in high school, she must have shown. And in college, you know, she has so many dates and all the guys are around her. And then, you know, as I got to know her, I began to see what a burden it was to be so beautiful. Yeah, because the people were attracted to her for her physical beauty and used her in that way instead of being attracted for what was inside and really appreciating her good qualities. I had spent months thinking, you know, oh, she's the one that, you know, if only I looked like that or I was like that. Then I realized, you know, it, it's actually better not to be too pretty. It is, you know, when you're really beautiful, then, then people relate to you in very weird ways and you get used and exploited. It's actually better not to be one of those people. Okay, so much for high school. <laughs> but you know, there's things that happen in high school that we think we've left behind, and we haven't. We just, they come out in our adult life 
in other ways, yeah? Or sometimes in the same way, but we cover it up better. Verse 78, it is said that others are made happy through being praised in this way. If in this way you do not want them to have this happiness, then since it makes them happy, you uh, you should cease giving wages to your, your employees. Okay. However, that would adversely be adversely affected both, you would be uh, uh, adversely affected both in this and future lives. So what he's saying here, okay, so if praise and good opportunities and so on uh, make other people happy, but I don't want them to be happy, okay, and the purpose of my life is to make other people unhappy, I don't want them to be happy, I want them to be unhappy, then I shouldn't pay my employees. Because if I paid them, they would be happy. If I didn't pay them, they'd be unhappy. And I don't want somebody to be praised and have happiness, so why should I want my employees to get their wages and be happy? Yeah. But, I mean, it makes sense, shouldn't it? If we we are that... Uh, adverse to other people's happiness, and we can't stand it when they're happy, then this is the way we should act towards everybody. But what happens when we do? Yeah, we are adversely affected both in this life and future lives. Okay? If you don't pay the people who work for you, you're going to have a lot of problems in this life. And you're going to be creating a lot of non-virtue that will ripen in future lives. Okay? But to look at the mind, you know, look at the mind that cannot stand when other people are happy. You know, because we want that happiness. Whether we deserve it or not doesn't matter. If we feel we deserve it, then we're even more emphatic. But sometimes when we don't deserve it, we're still just as emphatic. Yeah. They have that good quality. I know I don't have it, but why do they get to be so happy because they have it? I should have it too. You know? And I don't want them to be happy. They're just snobby and they lord it over me and they're so conceited. Yeah. They're not humble like me. They're not... <laughs> Yeah, they're not concerned with other people's feelings like I am. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because isn't our mind nutty? Verse 79, when people describe my own good qualities, oh, now we're getting to the good stuff. When people describe my own good qualities, I want others to be happy too. Yeah, when I'm praised, everybody should be happy because I am that good and I deserve the praise. And I'm happy and I want everybody else to be happy for me. Okay? But 
when those same people describe the good qualities of others, I do not even wish myself to be happy. Okay. So when I get praise, and people describe my good qualities, I want the whole world to rejoice. But when they describe somebody else's good qualities, I don't want to even be happy myself. I can't even remain neutral. I get incredibly unhappy with jealousy. But you praise me, nobody else should be jealous and unhappy. You should all join in rejoicing for me because I got what I liked and I have praise and everybody thinks I'm wonderful now, finally. And if the world thinks I'm wonderful, then I must be wonderful. Right? If other people think I'm good, I must be good. I have no ability whatsoever to evaluate my own mental states and my own actions. I depend completely on other people's projections to tell me whether I'm good or bad. And I believe their projections because I can't look. I, and I don't, not that just that I can't look and evaluate myself. I don't look. I don't evaluate myself. Yeah. So if other people think I'm good, great. If other people think I'm bad, oh, I must be rotten. Yeah. That's really dumb too, isn't it? Yeah. Why do we evaluate other people? And whose praise is it that we want? Yeah. Do we want the praise of the Buddha? Do we want the praise of the, the three gel, the three gems? <laughs> I almost said the three jealousies. <laughs> the three gems. <laughs> yeah. Do we, do we want the, the praise of the wild, of the wild? Yes. Yes. <laughs> do we, do we want the praise of the wise? Yeah? No. We, we, get, we let other people tell us, you know, other people who are full of afflictions, who are projecting all their own stuff on us, we let them decide if we're good or bad. The wise ones, Shanti Deva, gives us some way to evaluate ourselves. We don't want to listen to Shanti Deva. Yeah. We want to listen to worldly people. But why do we value the praise of worldly people? Do they know what in the world they're talking about? Yeah. If they praise us, does it mean we're good? If they blame us, does it mean we're bad? Yeah. Are they accurate? Do they have accurate perception? Do they have valid cognizers, reliable cognizers? No. Why do I trust their opinions about myself so much then? Okay. Why don't I learn how to evaluate myself using Shantideva as a guide? Why don't I do that? Hmm? Uh, much more effective. <laughs> okay, verse 80. 
having generated the awakened mind of bodhicitta through wishing all beings to be happy. Okay? Remember uh, chapter one? Yeah, all the benefits of bodhicitta. We got so inspired. Chapter two, we did the seven limb prayer. Chapter three, we, we took the bodhisattva vow. We wish all beings to be happy. Yeah. So having done all that, why should I become angry if they find some happiness by themselves? Yeah? Why did I generate bodhicitta? It wasn't because I wanted sentient beings to be miserable. It's because I want them to be happy. So now they find some happiness by themselves. Why am I jealous? Why can't I stand it? Or why do I hold a grudge against them because of some small thing they did to me 20 years ago? Yeah, maybe 30 or 40 years ago. Yeah. You think it's funny? Uh, you should join my, you should see my family. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, this is what I learned as a kid. I watch one side of the family, and then one side of the family, no. The other side of the family, yes. And I just watch this, and I'm going, this is crazy. You know? Holding grudges against people for decades. Oh, yes, the joy of family life. <laughs> okay, so why should we be happy if people find happiness themselves? Yeah, especially when we want them to be happy. Why shouldn't, why shouldn't we be happy? Why do we make ourselves miserable by thinking we should have that happiness instead of them? <clears throat> 81. If I wish for all sentient beings to become Buddhas worshipped throughout the three realms. Okay, think of that mental, mental state. You know, you really want all sentient beings to become fully awakened, free of their defilements, to become awakened Buddhas, you know, that just radiate light and benefit sentient beings so much. And, you know, and then they receive the praise and worship of others. If this is what I want for sentient beings, then why am I tormented when I see them receiving merely mundane respect? When I read this verse, I cringe. I cringe. Because it's so, it's so, I have to admit, you know, that this is what my mind is like, and it's an awful, awful, awful thing. Yeah. If on one hand I generate bodhicitta, and I really want sentient beings to be happy, yeah, then would they get some worldly respect? And worldly respect is worth a zip. Yeah, it's really not worth anything. If you have dharma aims, if you have worldly aims, yes, pile on the, the respect. But if you have dharma aims in your heart, worldly reputation and respect does not do 
anything for you. So then why am I tormented? Yeah, when I see others receiving worldly respect, when I want them to become Buddhas who are worshipped by the whole world. Yeah, are you getting it? The contradiction in my own mind of having one set of values that I really sincerely believe and then this backlog of disgusting afflictions that are the opposite. There's too much disharmony there to bear. You know, I, it's, I gotta give in some way, you know, and I'm not gonna give up the bodhicitta some way. I've got to give up the jealousy of others receiving world, you know, mundane respect. Yeah. I've got to give that up. Okay. Do any of these verses make you cringe? Yeah. I mean, he's so pointed, and it's like, it's really true, and I have to admit that. I can't cover it up. Yeah, I may try to, but it's impossible. Yeah, you cannot fool Shantideva. Okay, so there I am. I better do something about my my jealousy, my intolerance of others' happiness, especially of them receiving respect. Like I mentioned the other day, that... They say that for meditators, that's one of the uh, hardest of the eight worldly concerns to give up. That it's harder to give up uh, attachment to respect and, and reputation than it is to give up attachment to food and, and other sense pleasures. And yet, why are we so attached to what other worldly people think? Yeah, why do we give all of our power to worldly people to tell us if we're good or bad? If we're worthwhile or not? Why can't we evaluate our own mind using the standards set by the Buddha who we regard as the one who who really knows what's going on in the world. Yeah? Why do I keep, you know, why am I so reactive to what worldly people say about me? It really doesn't make much sense. So I have to learn to evaluate myself. It doesn't matter what worldly people say because, okay, Have you ever known in your heart that you have a very selfish, rotten motivation for doing something, but you succeeded in in fooling other people and they praise you for doing that, that action? Yeah. Well, you know in your own heart, my motivation was, was downright rotten. And yet, I got what I wanted. Do we still feel good about that? Yeah. Deep in our hearts, 
Maybe superficially, oh yeah, you know, I got what I want. But deep in our hearts, you know, we're the ones who have to live with ourselves 24-7. Deep in our hearts, do we like that person who has a rotten motivation and used it to feel everybody fool everybody else? No, we don't like that person. Yeah. So I have to look at my own motivation. And if I don't like the person who has succeeded in pulling one over on other people, why, when, you know, these people are so foolish to believe that I'm, I'm such a nice person when I know that my motivation was rotten, if these people are so foolish to think that, when they praise me, why do I... Uh, or? When they criticize me, why do I take their criticism to heart? Why do I believe it when they criticize me? Do worldly people really understand reality? Do they know what's going on? No, they're seeing things through their own, you know, their own proliferations and projections. So why do I trust that? Why don't I trust my own ability to acknowledge my my virtuous motivations and my rotten motivations. And if I had a good motivation for doing something, why do I crumble when I get a little bit of criticism from other people? Yeah. If I checked before, my motivation was good, then why do I just, oh, they criticize me? you know, then just feel like my world's crashed and start to hate myself. That's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, if we've got, if we know our own mind and we acted with a good intention, why are we so susceptible to criticism? And if we know our own mind and we know we acted with a rotten intention, why do we delight in other people's praise? which we know is false. Okay? So the whole point here, and this is a very important point, and if we're able to practice like this, it will save us a lot of suffering. The point is we need to learn how to evaluate our own motivations. And we need to learn how to look at our own mind and admit what is not virtuous and admit what is virtuous, and then use what is virtuous to benefit others. Yeah, not to be arrogant, but to benefit others, and to admit what is non-virtuous, and then try and rectify it. Yeah, and if we do that, then we'll be growing in the right way. We'll be growing in the Dharma way. Eighty-two, if a relative for whom I am caring and to whom I must give many things should be able to find their own livelihood, wouldn't I be happy rather than angry? So if there's a relative that, you know, I've been having to sacrifice all sorts of things for to take care of them, yeah, or give them money or whatever, if they found their own livelihood and they were happy, wouldn't I be ang- wouldn't I be happy? Yeah. So if other people 
have good conditions, why don't I rejoice about them having good conditions? If other people have good opportunities, why don't I rejoice at it? Why do I want to, why do I begrudge them worldly happiness? Yeah, they created the cause for it, their own good karma. Yeah, they created the cause. Why not rejoice that they have some worldly happiness? And worldly happiness, what does it mean? It doesn't last very long. Yeah, it doesn't really mean a whole lot. Yeah. I mean, all the worldly happiness that we've spent years chasing, do you have any of it now? All the food that you've eaten that you thought was wonderful, does that pleasure exist with you now? All the sex that you've had before, does that pleasure exist with you now? All the praise you've gotten before and approval Does that happiness exist with you now? (laughs) This is there, is it? Yeah, we're just sitting here in this room. (laughs) Yeah. People praised us. Where's that happiness? Yeah, we got some award. Oh, look, my trophy. You know, remember in high school when you got trophies for things? Yeah, that rare occurrence from, you know, even if you got a, you got a trophy for, you wanted a trophy on a different topic, but you, <laughs> for a different reason, but you got the trophy you got. Um, you know, and where is that? Where, where are all your trophies and awards and gold stars? Remember in gran- grammar school when you got gold stars? Yeah. Where are all your, Grammar school papers with those gold stars that you were so proud of. Where's all that happiness? You know, it's not worth much. Okay. Wouldn't it make you happier to give other children gold stars or to tutor kids who didn't get gold stars? but really want to learn and the kids who want to feel better about themselves, but nobody gives them a break, wouldn't you feel happier helping those kids? Yeah. 83. If I do not wish for beings to have even this, any kind of worldly happiness, how can I wish them to awaken You know, if I begrudge them worldly happiness that they created the cause for, then how can I ever wish them to have the ultimate bliss of Buddhahood? Yeah. And where is there an awakening mind? Where is there bodhicitta in one who becomes angry and jealous when others receive things? Cringe. Yeah, he's right. Yeah, if I don't wish others to have even worldly happiness that is not wor- worth very much, 
how can I wish them to awaken and have the supreme joy of Buddhahood? And if I really have bodhicitta, or maybe I don't, because in somebody who becomes angry when other people receive things out due to their own virtue, if I become angry at that, do, do I have bodhicitta? Mm-mm. Yeah. No way. So what, what is really more important in my life? Yeah, begrudging them worldly happiness or my generating bodhicitta? Yeah, my generating bodhicitta is going to bring me a lot more happiness. Yeah, because I want others to have more happiness. So, okay, mind, you need to change the way you're looking at this situation. Okay, 84 is going to hit us too. I really like Shanti Deso's approach, you know. He's so to, to the point. If Shanti Deva said, oh, you're such a good practitioner, you're so wonderful, there's a few things you need to work on, but by and large, you are magnificent, <laughs> then I would not grow very much. Yeah? I would just sit and, you know, enjoy my magnificence and be, and be jealous of other people who had more. <laughs> so 84, what does it matter if my enemy is given something or not? Whether they obtain it or whether it remains in the benefactor's house, in either case, I shall get nothing. Oh, that's right, isn't it? Yeah. So why do I matter if somebody I don't like, if somebody I'm jealous of, has a good, you know, gets something from the benefactor? Yeah. Because whether they get it or not, I'm not getting it. Yeah. It's not like, the benefactor changes their mind and doesn't give it to that person. So instantly they're going to have the revelation that they should give it to me instead. No, it's going to stay in their house, and I'm still not going to have anything. So similar with praise. If somebody prays, praises somebody else, yeah, why does it matter to me because either way, whether they praise that person or don't praise that person, I'm not going to get praised. I'm not going to have a good reputation. No. But then how we think, you know, the benefactor gets something. Oh, wow, look at that. They got a new robe. It's so nice. Yeah, that zen, that soft zen. Yeah, not like my rough, scratchy one that's always covered in food. 
Because I'm a slob. <laughs> yeah, but that person has such a beautiful Zen. And I saw, I saw, oh, it was Whitney who gave it to her. Oh, Whitney gave her that Zen. I should have gotten it. Why did Whitney give it to her and not me? It's not fair. (laughs) I should have it. Yeah, am I going to get it? No. Does Whitney want me to have it? No, she gave it to somebody else. She wants that person to have it. That makes her happy. Why am I miserable? I'm making myself miserable. This has nothing to do with you, Whitney. There's another person named Whitney that I'm talking about, okay? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I thought that might, you know, kind of. (laughs) It helps to drop names from time to time. and (laughs) People wake up. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So let's just pause here. Yeah. Do you have any questions or comments about this? But so why do we do all this stuff? <laughs> what so the, the, but, the, but the sense of self needs to be affirmed, needs to be recognized, even in the depth of its misery. I exist. Yeah. I mean, it all goes back to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. The insecurity of I may not exist in the way I think I exist. And the suffering even validates, oh, I exist. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing as Venerable Simke during this, and it reminded me of our um, primate ancestry. Um, (laughs) You know, the animal realm is all about competition, hierarchy. There's only one on top. Sorry, there can't be two. So I see a lot of this constant comparing and who's up, who's down. It really, I see a lot of conditioning maybe from the animal realm operating. Aren't we in the animal realm? I mean, from an evolutionary viewpoint, we're not in a totally, I mean, from a Dharma viewpoint, human realm and animal realm are different. From an evolutionary viewpoint, we're considered animals. Yeah, so it's almost like biological in a sense. Like our brains have evolved to pay attention to certain cues from our environment that have to do with social hierarchy. Yeah, so you think it's all because of, of your uh, the atoms and molecules no. and, the, and the electricity in your brain? It no. has nothing to do with your mind? Oh, it has everything to do with the mind. But yeah. I'm saying that's why it's so hard to overcome. As a human being, part of what most human beings do is they look to others to tell them who they are, to give meaning to their Uh, lives. And it's amazing that we can get past that. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's partly why it's so hard. Well, maybe, but maybe it's not really because of the brain. Maybe it's because of, of our self grasping. If we didn't have self grasping. Yeah. Then would we think like that? Are there beings who have the same kind of brain we do, who 
don't react to the, those things the same way we do. Yeah. So yeah, there may be something, or but I wouldn't attribute everything to that. Yeah, no, yeah. because otherwise we could never change. Yeah. yeah, if our biology determined us, then we could, you know, forget Buddhahood, forget anything. We could never learn. Yeah. I was thinking that the third immeasurable meditating on sympathetic joy, like on a regular basis, could really help reduce yes. jealousy. Yes. Yeah. One of my teachers, whenever he leads the seven limb prayer, he gets to the fourth line, we stop and meditate. Yeah. The fourth line is rejoicing. And there's a reason for stopping there. Yeah. Because we would, we would uh, really create so much more happiness for ourselves if we learned how to rejoice. Some people say um, rejoicing is difficult for them. Um, that come, doesn't come to mind immediately, you know, when jealousy is up front. And, um, you know, in German, the translation is, um, to, to have joy with somebody together. You know, the translation is like that. Mm -hmm. So, um, mm -hmm. making connection. That's basically what's in the word. Yeah. And so for that, you first need to have a good connection with yourself. So when I look into my mind and um, the development of, you know, how I work with the jealousy, as more as I could understand myself, what's going on in me and accept myself and see my qualities and um, go from there as more as, as less I'm actually looking into um, my environment and compare myself yeah. as more as I'm connected with myself then I'm more open and can connect with the other and I can rejoice Yeah, yeah. and that's the whole advantage of having of cultivating self-esteem by learning to evaluate ourselves and learning to appreciate our Buddha potential yeah just a question. Does anybody here find rejoicing at others' good qualities uh, easy? Yeah? Oh, one person. That's good. Yeah? It can be... Huh? What? Sometimes? Yeah. About today to have the word begrudge, because mm -hmm. I recognize that in myself in a way that I hadn't until you were taught this today. I don't. I hadn't thought of myself as jealous, and then I realized, oh, that is what that is. You know, sometimes it's making the connections. But, yeah. Yeah. I also am happy for other people when they have good situations. Yeah. Yeah. What I meant to Not say. Always. Yeah. <laughs> what I meant to say was when you're jealous. Is it easy to remedy it by practicing rejoicing? Yeah. Rejoicing is the antidote to jealousy. Jealousy, is it easy to do that, to apply that antidote when you're jealous? No. Yeah. Online it says, I make myself rejoice for the person I feel jealous about. Even if it doesn't feel sincere, it works over time to suppress the feeling of jealousy. Yeah. Yeah. If at the beginning it doesn't feel sincere, gradually you work up to it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It probably never occurred to me to rejoice in others' happiness before I started hearing these teachings, but 
But what I have found is that when I, if I, if I make myself use that as a practice, when I'm not jealous, then even the jealousy itself doesn't arise as much. Mm-hmm. But I have to stay on top of it. Yeah. You know, if I let that <laughs> slip and go practice something else, then <laughs> it comes back. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's very true. Uh, if you regularly practice rejoicing, it prevents the pain of jealousy. A little bit more in the line of um, also what Venerable Champa has said. For myself, in the moments of jealousy, I felt like I tried that with the rejoicing, and I felt very difficult uh, to end the moment exactly as you have mentioned now, or we see now. So I felt exactly more like that I needed to work a lot on self-worth and look mm-hmm. where I'm putting the worth, the value, what I'm, what mm-hmm. do I feel like is a value and and where the recognition, what that really means to want to have be recognized or seen or whatever, whatever. And so to do all this work helped me finally to see like, to come exactly to this place of feeling kind of more, more secure in myself. And then mm-hmm. jealousy actually doesn't have much ground yeah, or can be much quicker. I felt much quicker remedied yeah. when I'm when I'm there inside myself, mm-hmm. and then also rejoicing can come easily because then you see the potential in the others also more easily. And yeah, but but I see when I'm not in that place or when I'm kind of in this kind of more low self-esteem mode or whatever, then then from there it's very difficult to yeah. come out with rejoicing or with, so it kind of I feel also it's first kind of a, a work back there to strengthen. Mm-hmm. confidence and and confidence in yeah in my own potential yeah very much that's very true but this idea of jealousy as connecting with the joy of somebody else this is what shanti devas is saying when your enemies praise why don't we let ourselves be happy yeah and and when we really get to that point where we're not focused on ourselves, and we see other people have happiness. It's really such a good feeling to rejoice at their happiness, you know, because we're not thinking about ourselves. Okay, so I'll dedicate. Mm-hmm.